So we're continu- continuing the series on uh, prayer through the Lord's Prayer. And this week's uh, sermon is titled The Practice of Prayer. Uh, we're going to talk about you know, the activity, the practice of prayer. And I just want to kind of point out two things about you know, prayer that we keep in mind as we uh, approach uh, this spiritual discipline. Let me just begin by saying, you know, the questions uh, we ask uh, reveal what's important to us. Right? So the kind of questions that we ask reveal uh, what's important. For example, uh, imagine you get a phone call from your spouse. If you don't have a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, your child, imagine in the future if you don't have any of these. Um, and they call you in panic and stress. And you can tell in their voice that something's wrong. And they tell you, uh, you know, I was just driving in your car and I got in an accident. Now, the next question that you ask them will then reveal to them and to other people what's important to you, right? So you hear that they got in an accident in your car. If you ask, did you damage the car? Well, that shows then, you know, what's important to you. Or if you say, are you all right? You know, again, that shows what's important to you. Or for example, when your child brings home their report, what you ask them reveals what's important. If you ask, did you come in the top 10? That reveals what's important. If you ask, you got 95%, where'd the other 5% go? That reveals what's important to you. Or if you say, did you try your best? All of these questions kind of reveal, you know, what's at the heart and what matters. So the questions that you ask reveal what's important. And in uh, this this, uh, passage of the Lord's Prayer, especially in Luke's account, it begins with a question, right? And it reveals to the disciples what's important, right? It reveals really what's priority. And so I want to talk about the priority of prayer for the first point. And the first thing is, as I said, it's important for the disciples because in Luke 11, this all begins with a question. It's, it's a request for Jesus to teach them how to pray. Jesus, we want to know how to pray. Can you show us how to pray? Right? The one thing that the disciples asked is not you know, how to turn water to wine. Uh, it's not, you know, teach us how to walk on water. You know, what they ask Jesus is they ask him how to pray. And so this reveals, uh, at least in this scenario, what mattered to the disciples. What they're curious about, what they desire to learn, what they want to be better at is prayer. And so they approach Jesus and they ask him, now, can you teach us how to pray? And so that's the first thing I want to point out, right? It was Prayer was a priority for the disciples, enough that they would ask Jesus how to pray. Right? The second thing is that we see that prayer uh, was a priority for Jesus himself. And this is very important. Right? It's important because we can, we, we can see it's a priority by the fact that he taught them how to pray. But you know, when you look at the life of Jesus, uh, prayer is really embedded into his life, into his lifestyle. During the earthly ministry of Jesus, uh, most of the major moments were marked by prayer. The significant moments of his life and his ministry life, he prayed. So Matthew 4, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights prior to being tempted by the devil. In Luke chapter 6, he prayed all night before choosing his disciples. In Luke chapter 9, it was during prayer that he was transfigured in glory, if you know that scenario. He starts glowing, and Elijah and Moses, they turn up, and Peter's saying, you know, can we make a tent for you? That was all in the midst of prayer. In John 11, uh, when he raises Lazarus from the dead, he prays out loud publicly, you know, so that people can hear him. 
In John 17, right, knowing that he's going to be taken away soon, he prays a long prayer. We call this a high priestly prayer, and he prays this for his disciples. In Matthew 26, right on the brink of his betrayal, his arrest and crucifixion in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, he prays. And you know that this kind of really heartfelt, you know, painful um, prayer, and it's really three rounds of prayer. Right? He, he prays, kind of prays, goes back to his disciples, prays, goes back to his disciples, and he prays again. And even on the cross, in the last moments uh, of his life, Jesus, he prays. In fact, this is the last thing that our Lord Jesus does. If you look at this passage, it says, Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. And so the last thing Jesus did, the last words he actually said, was prayer. A prayer was, in the life of Jesus, a priority. Right? It wasn't just priority in the major moments, um, but also in his daily moments, right? It was just scattered throughout his, his life. Jesus would pray in the morning, Mark 1.35, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, right? He prayed. And so again, you know, Koreans, they take credit for inventing dawn prayer, but that's not true. Jesus invented it. You know, I don't know who invented it, but he did it at least. Um, he would pray during the evenings, Matthew 14. It says, after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Right? Luke 6, he would pray all night. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night, he continued in prayer to God. And so Jesus is praying in the morning. He's praying in the evening. He's praying at night. And even now, the Bible says Jesus is praying. Right? Romans 8 says Christ right, is at the right hand of God and who is indeed interceding for us. And Hebrews says that as well. But when you think about it, if uh, anyone didn't need to pray, uh, you'd think it would be Jesus. Or he's God the Son. He's so wise. He's so powerful. He did miracles. He turned water to wine. He walked on water. He had a perfect relationship with the Father. And yet it feels like Jesus practiced prayer more than anyone. And maybe it's because he prayed that he was so wise, right? He was so powerful and he had such a close relationship with the Father. And I think maybe that's why the disciples asked Jesus how to pray in the first place. Right? It wasn't just important to them. It wasn't just because they could see that it was important to Jesus, but they could tell that Jesus' extraordinary life was connected to his extraordinary prayer life. Right? And so they asked him, Jesus, right, you are a powerful being, so wise, and you pray so much. You know, teach us to pray like you pray. So prayer was priority for the disciples. They asked Jesus how to pray. It's priority for Jesus himself. And third, it's priority for us. In the context of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, there's a phrase that's repeated three times right before the Lord's Prayer. And that phrase is, when you pray. You might have heard this before, uh, but in verse 5, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Verse 6, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door. Verse 7, when you pray, don't heap, heap up empty phrases. And what Jesus says is significant. He doesn't say, uh, if you pray, he says, when you pray. And that feels like a small difference. Um, but if you pray versus when you pray uh, is, is a big difference. Uh, for example, if my wife, Uni, if she says, when you clean the house for the visitors, can you wipe the table? But I hear, if you clean the house, wipe the table. Right? That's a big difference. 
because if I hear if, I'm not going to clean the house, uh, but she said when, and then I don't, and then I'm in big trouble, right? Because when assumes you're going to do it, and if you don't do it, well, then you're in trouble. And so Jesus says, when you pray, and so the assumption is you're going to clean, oh, not clean, you're going to pray, that's, that's the when. And if we hear if and treat it as an if, well, then we're going to do the wrong thing. Right? Jesus says when, and basically he's assuming, uh, basically commanding Christians to pray. Uh, interestingly, Jesus never taught his disciples to preach, but he does teach them to pray. And so prayer is not optional. It is essential in the Christian life. Uh, it's no, not optional any more than breathing should be for a person. It's something that Christians are doing all the time. And you've probably heard me say, we inhale the scriptures and we exhale in prayer. And the scriptures and prayer are these things that we're meant to do all the time. So prayer is a priority. It's meant to be in the Christian life. It was priority for the disciples. They asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. It was priority for Jesus. His major moments and his daily moments were marked with prayer and his priority for us. Right? Jesus assumes Christians will pray when you pray, he says. You know, the number one excuse for why we don't pray and why we don't have a healthy, regular prayer life is we say we're too busy. Right? I don't know if you felt that, if you said that, maybe even this week I said, you know, let's, let's pray for 15 minutes twice. And you feel like, oh, I'm too busy. And you know, COVID doesn't help. Church planting doesn't help. Uh, in some ways, it's understandable that we'd be too busy to pray. Uh, but being too b- busy uh, is not a reason to not pray. Right? It, it, right? Being, reason, yeah, being busy is not a reason to not pray. Uh, it's really a reason that we must pray. And because the busier we are, the more hectic life is, there is more that we should be praying about. Right? We have more decisions. We have more stresses. We have more people that we're meeting. We have more opportunities. All of those things mean that we have more things that we should be praying about. And we looked a little about the prayer life of Jesus, but Jesus was really the busiest person in the world. He was constantly hounded. He was chased at times, you know, chased by thousands of people at once who just wanted to hear from him. They wanted to speak to him. They wanted to be healed by him. Some, they just want to touch his cloak. Some are following because they want free bread or free fish from him. And some people wanted to kill him. I mean, Jesus was surrounded all the time. It felt like he could, he could never have a moment by himself. And yet, as we saw, Jesus prayed. Uh, not because his days had more hours than our days did. I mean, he was God, but he still had 24 hours in his day. But he prayed because he made a priority. He made sure that he would find time to pray. Right? And so we saw early in the morning, he would pray before the sun came out. Late through the night, he would pray. Right? That's what happens when we make prayer a priority. We will make time for it. And if there's one passage that I think really emphasizes how much uh, he placed a priority of in prayer is Luke chapter 5. It says, uh, But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. And so Jesus is even more being busy, even more famous, even more people are flocking to him. But verse 16 Uh, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. It's like this contrast between verse 15 and 16 is getting even more busier, 
but that much more he makes time and priority to pray. You've heard me quote before, Martin Luther is um, quoted as saying, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Right? I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Right? The idea that the more you have to do, the busier you are, the more you have to pray about. And so our lack of prayer, if we are honest with ourselves, is not a result of lack of time. It's a result of a lack of priority. We don't practice prayer because it's not priority in our lives. And, you know, I think about myself, you know, if I wanted, I could make time for prayer. Because there are times where, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, watching stuff on my phone, I'm watching TV, you know, there, I could, you know, make time if I really wanted. You know, D.A. Carson, uh, he says this, and this is from, oh, this is from uh, the Bible study that I think some of us are going through. Oh, did, did, do, let me go back. Okay, yeah. He says, uh, we do not pray because we do not plan to pray. Uh, we don't just drift into spiritual life. We don't just drift into disciplined prayer. Uh, we will not grow in prayer unless we plan to pray. That means we must self-consciously set aside time to do nothing but pray. What we actually do reflects our highest priorities. That means we can proclaim our commitment to prayer until the cows come home. Uh, but unless we actually pray, our actions disown our words. And so we can say prayer is priority, um, but our actions will prove uh, whether it's true or not. Right? And so what we need to do is we need to plan. We need to put it into our schedule. So that's the first thing I want to say in terms of the practice of prayer. If you want to practice prayer, you need to make it priority in your life. Right? And Jesus did. The disciples did. He expects us to as well. Now, the second and last point for today is this. I want to talk a little bit about the pattern of prayer. If we're going to make prayer a priority, and this week we sit down or we kneel or we stand to pray, you know, what should we pray? It doesn't matter what we pray. Can we pray anything? And I want to encourage us to pray using the pattern of the Lord's Prayer. Right? Use that as our model in prayer. I said before in Luke chapter 11, uh, Jesus uh, is asked by one of his disciples. And the question is, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And verse 2, it says, and then Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, and then he goes on into the Lord's prayer. Right? And it's interesting that the response of our Lord Jesus isn't, um, you know, don't worry about prayer. Just, just pray what, whatever's on your heart. That's not what he says. He doesn't say um, there's no model of prayer, just wing it. There's no right or wrong. Uh, but instead he does. He gives us a model or a pattern. He gives us the Lord's Prayer. And the implication of this is that there is a better way to pray and there is then a not as better way or not as good way to pray. Right? If, if it didn't matter what you prayed, then Jesus wouldn't have given us a model. But the fact that he did give us a model means uh, there is a better way to pray. And originally I had there's a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray. Um, but I felt that, you know, that might make us a little afraid that we'll say the wrong thing. And I just want to pause and I want to talk about this because this is something we, we tried to fight against, you know, back in the past. And, you know, I don't want any of us to be afraid of saying the wrong thing. 
you know, just because I say there's a better way to pray, I don't want us to be now be self-conscious. And when we pray, think, you know, I might slip up and, you know, maybe this is wrong. You know, that's not what we want. Okay, I just want to kind of caveat or preface everything I say with that. We're all going to pray from what we know. And so then we're all going to make mistakes because none of us know perfectly. Right? We're not going to know perfectly until we go to heaven. And so even the best of us, when we pray theologically, we're going to mess up, mess up, right? And that's just the way it is. The great thing is that God knows our heart and what's in our heart matters more than what's on our lips, right? But what I'm saying is what's on our lips also matters as well. So what's on our heart matters most, but what's on our lips matters. And so let's pray, you know, well, let's pray better. Let's keep growing and improving in our prayers. Right? I would rather us um, pray uh, with freedom um, and maybe get some stuff wrong than um, be so afraid and thinking about what people think um, to make sure we pray the right thing. Right? So pray freely, but as we pray, let's get better at it. Right? And so because Jesus gave us this model, right, we can learn from it and improve the way we pray. And so I want to encourage us, and I did this last week, to practice prayer with this pattern of prayer, right? The Lord's Prayer. Uh, the Lord's Prayer isn't the only maybe model of prayer in the Bible. There are different kinds of prayer. If you look at the Psalms, you know, they don't really follow the Lord's Prayer's model. They kind of do their own thing. Um, but because this is what Jesus told us when he was asked how to pray, uh, it would be wise of us to really learn from, you know, that model of prayer and for us to use it as our own pattern. And the reason why I tell us to you know, use the Lord's Prayer is because I feel like it's, it's like cooking. Um, you need to learn the rules to then break the rules. And what I mean by that is uh, there are some people, uh, when they're cooking a recipe for the first time, they have one glance at the recipe and then you know, they close the book and then they just do their own thing. And uh, if you're going to do that, you're either a professional chef or you're making a big mistake. Right? Because the truth is, at least you know, for me, um, this is what I think, when you're going to learn a new recipe, you, you should follow the measurements and you should stick to the timing and follow the rule book um, until you've done it a few times and you've, you've kind of memorized it to heart. And only after you've learned the rules, then you can begin to break it. Right? You can kind of be flexible. You can add stuff to it. But once you've taken it to heart and you know it you know, off by heart, then you can begin to adapt it. I feel like that's the same with a lot of stuff. It's the same with sharing the gospel. But a lot of times we say, this is step one, two, three. And it's not because we want you to always have to follow those steps and you know, to tell the same stories all the time, but you need to learn the rules and have a framework so then once you've memorized it and you, know, you become comfortable with it, you can, become, you can be flexible and adapt it. It's like sharing your testimony, you learn it off by heart, so then you can adapt it to the scenario. It's like you know, learning a praise set, I feel like. You learn the songs off by heart, and it's when you know it, like the back of your hand, that you can be flexible with it. And it's the same, I feel like, with the Lord's Prayer. We use it as a model or a pattern, and so once we've used that you know, over and over again, we can then adapt it, add to it, change it. But we've now got that framework by which we can then learn from. So this is the Lord's Prayer, and from it, we can learn a lot of things. And I'm, I'm going to go through through this series, and you know, hopefully we can learn stuff. But some of the things is, it's good not to start with us, but to start you know, with God. Right? Starting with us is not the best way to pray. Not praying about God is not the best way to pray. 
praying for our name, praying for our kingdom, praying for our will, that's not the best way to pray. You know, really, that's the wrong way to pray. And so we're going to use the Lord's Prayer, and I want to encourage us to use it as a guidebook. And so if you're not very comfortable with prayer, this is what you can do. You can literally sit down you know, this week and pray, you know, our Father in heaven, and then you pause. Say that in your own words. Maybe add to it, elaborate on it. You know, God, you are you know, creator and you are you know, in heaven, but you're also close to me. What an amazing thing it is uh, that you would call me your son, et cetera, et cetera, right? And you just kind of spend some time on it. And then once you finish with that, you run out of stuff to say, you go on. Hallowed be your name. Then you pause. Say it in your own words. Elaborate on it. And then when you're finished, your kingdom come. Do that again. Your will be done, et cetera, right? So kind of use that as your guideboard. You can do that with the Psalms as well, but you know, I want to encourage us to do that with the Lord's Prayer. And when we get to um, your will be done, you know, that's really where all of the rest of the scriptures come in, right? Because we know what God's will is because we know the Bible, right? First John, uh, John says this, he says, this is the confidence that we have towards God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And what this means is, When we pray, when we pray, your will be done, I don't mean just that phrase, your will be done, but as we're praying for God's will, God, we pray that the gospel will go out. We pray that people will be saved. You know, we pray, you know, that that, that there'll be a day where pain no longer exists. When we're praying for God's will, whether for the world or for us, you know, John's saying that God will hear and God will answer. The implication is that if you're praying for something that's not God's will, he won't answer that one. And so we need to figure out what God's will is uh, so that, you know, we're praying better prayers. And how do we know God's will? We know God's will by knowing God's word. If we know God's word, we will know God's will. And so we study the word. We know God's character, his desires. We know some of his plans for us in the future. We know of his commands. And then we weave that into our prayer. Your, your, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, right? Because it's when his will is being done, his kingdom will come and he'll, his name will be hallowed. And so as we're praying for his will, that is a better way to pray because we're praying scripture, right? So that's just my encouragement for us to use the Lord's Prayer as our guidebook, but really that's going to pull in all of the scriptures in the process. Um, and before I kind of close, I, I just want to uh, say a little bit about the Psalms. Um, because I mentioned them before, you know, the Psalms are really, they, they kind of do their own thing. When you look at the Psalms, um, they're often super raw, uh, honest. Sometimes they like complaining about God, they blame God. Um, and sometimes you think, you know, can you pray that? And obviously the answer is yes, right? Because it's in the Bible, you can pray that. And second, because, you know, you don't want to fake it with God. Right? You don't want to just say the right things because, you know, you know you should, but you don't mean it, right? So I'm not telling anyone of us to fake it when I say let's follow the Lord's Prayer. I don't want us to pray robotic prayers as if you just tick the box and something's going to happen. Um, and so I feel like the Psalms are that raw, honest prayer. And when I think about the Psalms, at least for me, this is how I, I think about it. The Psalms and those raw, honest prayers are the prayers uh, you need to pray before you can pray the prayers you want to pray. Um, the prayers we want to pray are prayers like the Lord's Prayer, you know, theologically good, 
placing God first. We want to pray those prayers, uh, but sometimes, you know, we can't pray those prayers because there's too much stuff going on in our lives. There's too much burden, suffering, pain, confusion. And so before we can pray the prayers we want to pray, uh, we need to pray this prayer. And this prayer is just the venting, honest, wrestling with God in that relationship because we're honest with God, getting stuff off our chest. And we pray these prayers so that we can get to this place where we can pray the Lord's Prayer. Right, does that make sense? Uh, maybe a future, more spiritually mature you could pray the Lord's Prayer despite everything else going in, on in your life. Right? That, that's where we want to end up, where you know, life sucks, but we're still able to come to God and say, oh, hallowed be your name. You know, but you know, maybe that's not where you are today. And so you want to be honest before God. You don't want to fake it. You want to get stuff off his, your chest um, so that you can be in a right place. Preach to yourself maybe in that process so that you can then say, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And when you look at the Psalms and those Psalms that I just mentioned, nearly all those Psalms that start off, you know, venting or blaming God, you know, through that process of wrestling in prayer, get to this place where in their own words, they hallow God's name. You know, they might start off, you know, questioning the love of God, but they end up with, but your steadfast love endures forever, right? That, that's the process that, you know, they're going through. They're praying the prayers they need to pray so that they can pray the prayers that they should or that we know uh, we should or want to pray, right? And so you want to pray the Lord's Prayer, but if that's not where you're at, you know, pray the Psalms and then, you know, try to get to the Lord's Prayer. All right, so in conclusion, this is what I said. Uh, prayer is a priority. Uh, it should be um, because it was a priority for the disciples. That's what they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. It's a priority for Jesus. His major moments were marked by prayer. And, you know, morning, night, evening, he prayed all the time. And it was assumed that it would be priority for us, right? When you pray, not if you pray. We have a lot of excuses, but the busiest person in the world was able to pray because he made a priority. You know, I think we can if we make it a priority. And then I talked about the pattern of prayer. Let's make the Lord's Prayer our pattern, right? As we practice prayer, use the pattern of the Lord's Prayer. There is a better way to pray and a not better way to pray. Right? Use the Lord's Prayer. It's a better way to pray. Then maybe some of the ways we tend to work, uh, learn the rules so you can break the rules. And if you can't start there, start with honest prayers so you can get to here. And the specific application I gave last week was, you know, just carve out two 15-minute blocks um, to pray. Right? I challenged us, and I, I don't know how you did. Can we put up our hands? No, I'm just checking. Right? But I don't know how you did, um, but I want to encourage us to do it again. And um, we're going to do it again because the point is not to finish a task. The point is to start a habit. Right? And so we're going to keep pushing for us to make time to pray until you know, it, it really becomes ingrained into our lives. That's what we want to do at the end of the day. And you know, I don't know. Uh, well, whenever you put like a time limit to prayer, uh, it can feel Pharisaic. Um, maybe some of us were thinking, you know, 15 minutes, it doesn't matter the length of prayer. You know, the, the longer you pray, it doesn't make you holier. You know, that they, all those things are true. Um, and maybe some of us, we felt 15 minutes was, was quite long. Um, but I just want to end with this verse. Because this challenged me uh, this week, and maybe it will challenge you. Um, in Matthew 26, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to be betrayed. Um, be accused, beaten, crucified, killed on the cross. Um, and so he's praying. 
right? And he, he leaves his disciples to go pray. And he's going to go pray three rounds of prayer. And after the first round of prayer, it says this in Matthew 26, verse 40. He comes back to, back to his disciples. He finds them sleeping. And he says to Peter, so could you not pray or could you not watch with me one hour? Right? And Jesus is really rebuking Peter as the leader of the disciples because he couldn't um, watch and pray with Jesus for an hour. Right? He, he's upset. He's like disappointed that he'd fallen asleep and was not able to endure for an hour. And so then Jesus goes back and he prays two more rounds of prayer. And we don't know how long those ones are, but you know, possibly they could have been one hour each because it, it, it says that he prayed the same thing. Uh, he prayed, you know, would you take this cup away from me? And so possibly Jesus prayed three hours in that time. Um, but when he came to his disciples, he had expected them to have been able to pray for an hour. And now this passage is uh, descriptive. It's not prescriptive. It's not saying you have to pray an hour. But still, I think it says a lot about the expectations that Jesus had for his disciples, right? An hour. Right? He expected them to be able to have you know, stayed awake with him, at least in this crucial moment of his life, for an hour. And so, you know, 15 minutes, um, maybe it feels like a stretch for some of us, um, but I, I don't think so. You know, when I think about Matthew 26, there's not many passages in the Bible that really, I think, put a, a, a time to the amount of prayer we should have. Um, but, you know, Matthew 26, for me, um, it gives me insight into what um, the time frame that Jesus expected uh, from his disciples. And so, 15 minutes, let's do it two times this week. Uh, that's the challenge for us. And, and if 15 minutes um, is, is kind of comfortable for you, uh, maybe you can push it uh, to 30 minutes. Um, or if 30 minutes is comfortable, you know, you can, you know, whatever's comfortable for you. But again, the, the point isn't to boast, uh, you know, growth is like, you know, I pray for three hours, you know, so just, you know, just do uh, what's comfortable for you. Maybe push it a little bit at a time. You know, that, that's what we're going for here. So the two questions uh, that I want to challenge us with and discuss in our groups is this. Uh, do you tend to give prayer a, a high or low priority in your life, especially uh, when you're busy? And again, um, let's just be honest. Uh, you don't have to kind of be specific if you don't feel comfortable, but you know, let's think about it and be like, you know, this is kind of how I tend to have treated prayer. And again, this is the past. This isn't about what we're going to do, but this is what we've done in the past. And second, when can you plan to pray this week? And maybe I want to encourage you right now in your groups, mark off specific days. So I look at your calendar and be like, you know, I, I can this night fit in prayer or, or on the way to work, you know, I want to block it in and just put it in your calendar or else, you know, the truth is if you're going to wait um, for prayer to just happen, like Carson said, it, it's not going to happen, right? We don't pray because we don't plan it. And so, um, yeah, I encourage us to do that and we'll see how we go this week.